Daniel Ruiz Tyson is available for Monday the 13th of November 2017 with me Daniel Ruiz Tyson episode 188. I hope you're all well keeping on doing what you need to be doing to keep yourself going. I hope your weekend was good. This is the show that sweats the small stuff because the small stuff does matter. What a winter this is shaping up to be. I've got my face down in the pillow this winter. The drool is forming a Turin shroud-like imprint of my features on my pillowcase. 2,000 years from now, they'll be running carbon dating tests on my pillowcase, studying the pouting outline of the lips, able to determine from that the uh, outline belongs to a man likely to have worn a mouth guard in his final years, most likely to curb nocturnal jaw grinding. More tests will confirm the pillowcase indeed belonged to a little-known podcaster with a severely limited range of facial expressions. I am having a torrid time with a man. It's bleeding into the writing life, and uh, I really don't like that. That is what I always sought to uh, avoid. I'm spending my days in a room full of people born after 1985, after Live Aid. If you don't remember Live Aid, as far as I'm concerned, you're yet to hit midlife. That's the cutoff point. You get to this age, you're sat with all these young people and you think if things follow their natural order, you're dying before all of these pre-liver spotted kids. Maybe they'll hear about your death a year or two later. Remember that middle-aged guy with a cosmetically enhanced nose? Used to talk about hand-washing a lot. The exchange might begin along those lines. Yeah, I do. You know, the guy died, really? Yeah, David Cruz Tyson is dead. He's dead, yeah, I heard he was wearing a mouth guard when he died some 2014 close. Wait a minute, you said he died in what, 2017? 2017, yeah. But in 2014 close, 2014 close, that's true. On with the show, actually, let's start with a hygiene fail, which I can't recall if I told you about. I was definitely going to mention it the week it actually happened, but I can't remember if I did. I saw it last week or the week before. Apologies if I'm repeating myself. It was a spectacular hygiene fail from a schoolgirl. Lower deck, I think. It was early evening, heading southbound. She was eating a packet of hula hoops, uh, possibly among the loudest crisps, I'd say. As a kid, you don't really care about the loud food audio, do you? You're not very self-conscious. You know, you're not trawling through supermarkets at uh, 7 in the morning looking for special offers on soft-baked biscuits because you're self-conscious about eating loud food in public. So uh, the schoolgirl was on the lower deck of this southbound bus eating hula hoops. She was sat near the driver, so at this stage, unless she was standing for the first part of her journey, and it's quite possible that she was, as the bus was very busy, so uh, it's feasible that she'd managed to get on and get a seat without handling the rails. I hope so, because uh, she had hula hoops ringed around her fingers, and she was inserting the fingers in her mouth to eat the hula hoops. Well, you know, we've all done that as kids. That was the great thing about hula hoops. You know, that was the hula hoop gimmick. But I don't remember having ever done it on a bus. I'm pretty sure I wouldn't have. I caught this terrible visual as I was descending from the upper deck. And I think had my hands been clean at that moment as I saw her eating these hula hoops ringed around her fingers, I would have put a hand to my mouth as I recoiled in horror. On the uh, soft-baked biscuits, uh, by the way, any uh, special offers on those currently eluding me? Struggling with my choice of biscuits for the man. Purchased simply to help quash any stomach rumbles during the day. 
currently going for those 38p little shortbreads. Biscuits which could not be more tightly packaged. Before you even get to the point that they're allowed biscuit anyway, getting them out of the packet, it's an absolute racket. You cannot do that quietly. It's the biscuit equivalent of the communal hallway loud talker stroke stomper who I despise. I despise those people who do not know how to live in a block of flats. And I don't think I'm going to find quieter biscuit packaging in Lidl. So uh, I might have mentioned at the start of this run of shows back in October that I try not to eat more than two biscuits a day. Because they're so loud, I haven't eaten any of them for a few days. But I do transfer them to a little bag that I can take the biscuits out of far more easily. I think I attempted to eat a little shortbread on Thursday afternoon. I took one bite. Uh, It was too quiet in the office. I thought, I can't do this. I let that bite dissolve, swallowed the biscuit down, and that was it. Went back to the banana. Discussion with a colleague after I'd given up on the biscuit eating. And, uh, you know, by the way, the banana, I do find it a very highly effective fruit for quashing the errant rumbles which I fear so much. It's a very effective stomach rumble quasher. And uh, after giving up on the uh, biscuit eating that afternoon, I got into an exchange with a colleague. I don't know how we got into this, but I explained to them that I'd long had this deep conviction that I could live forever, that I had all the traits, the solitary, you know, the loner traits that would mean I might just be able to pull it off. They said, oh, like a vampire. But vampires, I pointed out, they're under a lot of pressure, aren't they? Yes, they live forever, but only if they can source blood every night. That's a lot of work. That's a lot of work. That's not the way to live forever if you're going to do it. Incidentally, on that, uh, on the vampire thing, keeping vampire hours, I was a real night owl. For about 25 years. I mean, I would easily be up till four in the morning. Those were the hours that I kept. And it started when I was about 16 because around 13, the winter of that year, I started to have real anxiety issues about going to bed. And uh, for the simple reason that, you know, to, to get to the bathroom, we actually had to exit the uh, bedsit and drop down a couple of floors. So it was a big deal. And uh, that really affected me, and I never really came back from that sleep-wise. Caused massive problems. My mum had been envied for having a kid that would go to bed early and sleep through anything. That all changed. And and believe me, sleep through anything, because there were four of us to a room for for nearly 20 years. So, uh, you know, that's four people going to bed at different times. That's a lot of disruption in a very small room. And uh, that all changed in the winter of 85. When I was grieving those hours, uh, the nocturnal hours got really extreme and I spent two years napping during the day and I very rarely take the afternoon naps because they drain me. But I find that if I can sleep at any point, it's the afternoon nap where I can fall into a really uh, deep slumber. And uh, between 2000 and 2002, every day, I was up all night and I would sleep during the day and, uh, you know, I was just a ghost really 
for those couple of years. The space daddy, he's a big lover of the afternoon nap. Still takes the afternoon nap several times a week. He'll text me as he's taking the nap. Don't text me, I'm going to be napping, he writes. And, uh, you know, you're thinking, well, just turn your phone off. Turn the phone off. You don't need to send me this text. Turn the phone off. The uh, sleep thing, though, those, uh, those vampire hours, they all changed in uh, 2012 when the man claimed me for a while, which is uh, where I... Uh, first met the kid and ever since then I keep these different hours and um, I wish I could go back to the nocturnal hours but I would keep the early mornings I love the early morning you know it does leave me very tired being up at six but I love being in the cafe before it opens you know that 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 is the big part of my day it just sets the day up really nicely uh, I do love that so uh, you know I could go back to the old hours with a few tweaks You're listening to Daniel Ruiz Tyson is available. Sweating the small stuff, ways to support the show. You can do all your Amazon shopping by clicking on the Amazon referral link at DanielRuizTyson.com. Amazon recognizes you've gone to them via the uh, referral link on my site and kicks back a small percentage of whatever you've purchased. Back to my work doesn't cost you a penny. With Christmas coming up, this is the biggest opportunity of the year for the website to uh, start paying for itself. Further ways to support the show, you can rate and review the podcast on iTunes. Reviews, not just ratings, a review. That's what I need. That makes a massive difference. The show gains greater visibility in the iTunes store. More people find the show. At the moment, the show is getting a bunch of ratings but it's not getting much in the way of reviews. If you're going to rate it, don't bother. And I say that kindly. You're busy people. I understand that. I understand it can you know, take a few minutes to, to work out what to write in a review. But I'm um, just saying a rating doesn't do anything for the show. It needs the rating and the review. It needs both. Subscribing, whether via iTunes or the RSS feed or your platform of choice, again, that's another straightforward way to help and perhaps you might even consider making a secure donation to the podcast via the paypal button by each of these available podcasts as they appear on danielruiztyson.com some uh, positive news my end friday 10th of november 14 10 hours at the man i made some smoothless small talk by my standards smoothless small talk with the guy as he came out of the cubicle which i felt reflected considerable growth on my part quite tight in there in the gents at the new building really tight used to be a lot of floor space in the old building there were two guys in these uh, new loos a cubicle guy and another guy who was hand washing thoroughly which was good to see thorough hand washer this guy is a serial work cubicle guy several times a day seriously i became aware of that some months ago maybe Maybe it's a condition. You have to you have to bear that in mind and cut him some slack. But uh, he is in there any number of times a day. So uh, there were two uh, guys at the sink washing their hands. It was very packed. I couldn't pass to get to the urinals. Cubicle guy and cubicle regular. They were small talking at the sink. I. Uh, Finally got to the urinals, finished up at the urinal, uh, the urinal flushed, you know, it's got that flush thing it does when you finish there, then I had to wait for their small talk to end, wash my hands. I chose the sink that hadn't been used by uh, the guy just out of the cubicle, cubicle guy, because I'd seen him using that sink, I'd seen him tapping out the soap, 
And uh, obviously, I know that, you know, any guys coming out of the cubicles, they're going to use all the sinks, you know. There's no sink that hasn't been touched by someone emerging from a cubicle. But so long as I don't see them actually coming out of the cubicle and touching it, I'm fine. You know, I can function. So uh, I had to use different taps. Cubicle guy was drying his hands on one of the paper towels. Uh, Again, the paper towel are torn. They always tear. And I just got small talking with him. And I think I instigated it. That was what was particularly impressive about this small talking. I instigated the small talking and uh, we got talking about hot desking. He's not a hot desking fan. You wouldn't get a train driver and ask him to sit in the middle of the train, he uh, said. And uh, I can't remember if I mentioned on episode 187, I heard a, a guy... One of the uh, top guys saying to another guy that he was showing around the new building, uh, this is what you call a workspace activity building, which between me and you means there are not enough uh, desks for staff, which I thought really uh, sums up the uh, new building. It is nice, but uh, there are limitations there. It is very snug, very tight. Some of the furniture in this place is typically impractical. They've got these tall stools in the quiet area, which are really rocky. It is an effort to get on them. I tried to uh, sit on one of them uh, last week to have my lunch, and uh, I did not have a comfortable time on there. They reminded me of these um, multicolored tiny chairs in uh, the place where I first met Clay Lowe, podcaster Clay Lowe, a long-time friend of the show, Please Don't Hug Me, collaborator, starred on the um, one of the episodes of The Letter as well, and uh, Clay uh, will remember this. There were these very ridiculous low chairs in the breakout area, in inverted uh, commas, that were very hard to actually get out of when you sat in them. It was very difficult to rise from them without them sticking to your behind. And they were so expensive, these chairs. And this was a very high-profile job. This was a startup business back in 2010 that was in the papers every day. Every day. It was a job that, for a nine-to-five job, was it was memorable, but... I think it was a bad thing for me, ultimately. It took so much out of me, and I made so many mistakes on the back of that job, and it changed my life. And, you know, all documented on, you know, the Please Don't Hug Me episodes, the letter. But the papers seized on these chairs because they'd cost an obscene amount of money. Rightly so. It was just a complete waste of money. These stalls remind me of that. They're not as bad they don't look ridiculous they're just very difficult to sit on i saw the um george michael documentary on uh, the channel four player and no one worked a stool like that guy there's so much footage of him sat on a stool performing live and he looks so comfortable on those stools you know he's moving about on the seat he's got his uh, foot tapping on the frame of the uh, stools No one worked a stool like George Michael. In one of the many fantasies that I had, the two that stood out for consistency and the sheer effort that I went to develop them 
were uh, Kid Cop and uh, the other one was Nelly and I being in Tears for Fears and uh, the estrangement of Tears for Fears, the estrangement between Roland Orsbal and Kurt Smith in the early 90s coincided with the exact period that Nelly and I went our separate ways as well. And uh, I really built those two fantasies up and uh, it's a good job that by the time the MTV Unplugged show came along in the mid-90s, Nelly had gone solo with uh, Tears for Fears. He was the more financial secure partner so he was able to keep on uh, the name the Tears of Fears name and I think that was a good thing because if we'd been together we'd have had to avoid doing the MTV Unplugged show which probably would have uh, placed a further strain on our relationship one I'm not a fan of the acoustic guitar Uh, I don't like I don't like it as a sound and also it you know, they just give me terrible flashbacks to, uh, you know, the 83, 84 period when I had to go to secondary school with my uh, Spanish guitar and my dad. The guitar itself was borrowed, but my dad wouldn't let me get a guitar case. So all the big kids would, you know, break the strings. You know, I, I, the acoustic guitar brings back uncomfortable memories for me. And uh, two... The second reason why I wouldn't do the MTV Unplugged or wouldn't have done it is uh, the fact that the singers were always perched on stools, tall stools at that. And they, they just always strike me as unsafe. And I'm a massively clumsy guy. We'd have had to turn MTV down. We couldn't have done that. We couldn't have done the show. On the George Michael documentary, by the way, I, I loathe celebrity culture. Um, I loathe uh, those that are into it as much as I loathe the celebrities who crave that life, you know. And I grew up in a house where celebrity culture was massive. Ola, you know, Ola. The Spanish had Ola, which over here became Hello in the uh, sort of 93, 94 period. Uh, the Spanish had Semana as well. They had all these magazines, all these rubbish magazines that my mum would read. And that wasn't the culture in this country. But it became the culture. It established itself in the mid-90s. I watched the George Michael documentary. It starts with Kate Moss introducing it. She sat askew on a chair, leather, trouser-clad leg over the arm of the chair. One, why did she need to introduce the show? And, uh, you know, two, what are you doing? Oh, I'll sit like this. I'm in my 40s. This will make me look cool. Sit properly. Sit properly. You're an adult. Sit properly. I don't know why she needed to uh, be in the documentary. Anyway, George Michael, a lot of his stuff I didn't like. You know, songs like Freedom, a lot of the Wham stuff I just didn't like. But the stuff I did like, and I saw what he was saying at the end, the way he'd want to be remembered, you know, remembered as a great singer, etc. And uh, I was just thinking, you've done that. You, You did that. You're, you're no longer of this world, but you did that. Fair play to you, you did that, and you deserved it because you were a great singer. I don't think that this country has produced many better male vocalists than the stuff that I loved. He did a brilliant cover of uh, Victims by Culture Club, A Different Corner, I've always loved that song. Jesus to a Child, it, it's incredible. George Michael at his best, you know, the kind of songs like that no extraordinary singer even though I wasn't a massive fan you just heard that guy's voice and you thought this guy this guy can sing this voice is just it's a ridiculously great voice 
And I remember feeling that on Christmas Day. Just, you know, when people start tweeting, so-and-so's died, so-and-so's died, and everyone's tweeting uh, about it. You know, I'm not into that. But this was the one, I think, if there was one, where I thought, that's sad because this guy, this guy had a great voice. Absolutely beautiful voice. So, uh... From George Michael, uh, let's wrap up this show going into another week with a man, a real tough time with a man, as I keep saying. I spoke to the Space Daddy last Thursday night. We were talking through the issues that I'm having and the way that they impact on my confidence away from the man. I'm actually rumbling at the moment. I hope uh, the mic, as cheap as it is, doesn't pick up these rumbles. Maybe I should have had the banana before recording this episode. So I spoke to the Space Daddy last Thursday night telling him what's going on and uh, the way that these issues with the man impact on my confidence away from the man because these small defeats these slights these problems that I encounter in an environment that I don't fit into become this big rag of rubbish and it does affect me and at the heart of it is that ongoing battle to re-establish my writing career at this age I said to the space daddy, how many times do you hear a 40-somethings turning it around? How many middle-aged people come out of nowhere, have a hit television sitcom and give interviews? Yeah, two years ago I was working with kids and then the show got picked up and here I am. It's a real battle not to let the man affect my self-esteem. Maybe I'll be the guy that does turn it around at this age. I don't know. Am I a trailblazer? I suppose I was when I sat my GCSEs in the midst of sharing the uh, marital bed with my dad after his and my mum's marriage finally disintegrated. Since then, maybe, maybe with this uh, little herd show, maybe. It's a challenge. There is a real big challenge here. And I need to focus. I need to feel good about myself to try and pull this off, to try and turn this around. And that is it. That is today's show. I hope you guys enjoy your start to the week and do what you do well. You can only do your best. Shoulders back, people. Keep on walking towards the sun. Thank you for listening. I'm back on Thursday. I'm Daniel Ruiz-Tyson. And today I have been available. 